Welcome to The End Game, a podcast about the positive aspects of aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I'm your host, Don Auction. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get on with today's show. Welcome back, everyone, to another session with the Council of Elders. Joining me today, our council is poet Charles Ramelkamp, essayist Susie Kaufman, our Lady of Perpetual Motion life coach Kit Cassingham, and your mild-mannered but slightly seditious moderator. Uh, today, we're going to talk about that mix of anxiety, jealousy, envy, and regret that together forms a, a powerful compound uh, known clinically as fear of missing out or FOMO. And uh, to kick this discussion off, I want to turn it over to Kit. You know, the discussion we had around the what topic we would cover today, Don, tickled me. Uh, I think Susie and I are flip side of the same coin. I, I sense a lot of soul connection, but we represent ourselves in the world so differently. I said, oh, I FOMO. Yeah, I suffer a lot of that. And Susie said, I don't think I do. It's <laughs> just in that very quiet, <laughs> mild-mannered way she has. Uh, yes. And I don't recall what you and Don uh, Charles had to say, but um, FOMO intrigues me. I'm actually getting a mastering it for myself, but it is something that I have experienced all of my life. Um, the FOMO I have experienced has related to pretty much every aspect of my life. Um, I, I was didn't want to go in at the end of the day because I might miss one more game that the kids were playing or might miss a shooting star. Who knows what I thought I was going to miss. Um, one of the favorite stories the family tells of me, and I've started picking it up myself, is as a little girl, I went to—I was supposed to be in bed sleeping, but I was afraid of missing out on something. So I was staring out my bedroom window, went into the living room with my eyes kind of big, and I said, there's a big white rat in the backyard. Kit, go to bed. So I went back to the window. And I couldn't stand it, so I had to go back and say, no, really. My eyes just got bigger, and I said, there really is a big white rat. <laughs> back to my bedroom I went. And finally, after the fourth time, fifth time of me going to the living room, Dad said in his attempt at patience, if we all go to the backyard and I prove to you there's no white rat, will you go to bed? I said, yes. By this time, the whole house is awake. And we parade out there, and Dad uh, moving his flashlight around, and he caught the big white rat in the beam of the flashlight. It was an armadillo that had ah. burrowed under the stockade fence, and in the full moon, to a little girl who doesn't know what a rat or an armadillo looks like, <laughs> there it was. Uh, but that's just, oh. a, 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 for me, a delightful representation of that's why I don't want to go to bed at night. I might miss out on the big white rat. The big white armored rat. Yes, armored. Yes. Um, but even you know, if you got, if you're a real good salesman, you used to be able to snag me for classes because I think it might be something I don't know, and so I've got to take it. So FOMO just really hits me left and right. I'll have one more piece of dessert, 
or another salad serving because I might miss out on having more later. So I'll, I'll leave it at that for the moment and see how you guys can chime in. Wow. Well, Susie, since you seem to have no fear of missing out, how, how do you respond to that? <laughs> no, I, I, two things occur to me. First of all, I was very interested in what you said, Don, about um, the, the different emotional states that accompany FOMO. And I don't remember them all, but there was envy and regret. And what were the other ones? Anxiety and jealousy. Okay, so I just want to say unqualifiedly that I am not ignorant of anger, regret, uh, anxiety, or jealousy. I, I certainly have those experiences. I just don't um, feel called to resolve them by uh, doing what somebody else is doing or what or what all the other people are doing. So I don't think that those two situations are necessarily necessarily coexist. That's point number one. Point number two is that I'm curious um, in terms of what Kit said uh, as to you know what it feels like to you to you know always be wanting more of something. What what's that like? You know, Susie, it probably is a huge anxiety. It, I mean, there's excitement that, ooh, look, there's something cool happening. Um, and the anxiety that I won't, I'll, I'll miss out on something. Uh, I won't be with my friends or I won't be learning this new thing or going to this new place. Uh, so it probably is anxiety, though I don't think of myself as an anxious person. But there's this sense in my chest welling up. Uh, and I did just resist this. I am not renewing with a mastermind that I've been with for several years because it's too much on my plate right now. And when they had their first meeting, I could feel that sense. And that's the only reason I could answer your question because I hadn't jumped into it. I felt that anxiety of, oh, there's all my friends and I'm up there. But Mm. Interesting. Uh, Charles, thoughts? Yeah, I um, the term FOMO is I've been seeing it a lot um, in the last year or so, and I, the fear of missing out. And it seemed, I was thinking that the older you get, the the different things you know, the the what what it is you're fearing, you're going to miss out you're going to miss out on it forever you'll never see it again or, or but I, I grew up in the midwest which is known as the great american place to escape from and that's you know we were always missing out on everything in the midwest. and so i you know grew up wanting to that i lived in a little town in in the middle of michigan and people would go to rock concerts i couldn't get to a rock concert like i said i have to get to detroit i suppose but um there was that and and but then as you get older you know i don't know i i didn't i i've had women friends who I, the biological clock fear of, of not having children i i'd never really experienced fear of not having a family or anything i i i can't i don't know i wanted to have children and we did 
I guess I was 35 when our first child was born. I, I don't, didn't, don't feel like I was approaching any, you know, finally you better do it now thing, but I, mm. I understand that fear. out. Um, and then as, as we get older, I guess, you know, gosh, I'm, I'm not going to be around for my <laughs> great grandson's graduation for, you know, the kind of thing I, you know, and I'm not because I'll be dead. Um, and would I even mind, but, um, so I was just thinking that the, the, the goalposts or, or whatever it is change as you grow older about what, what you're going to missing, miss out and why you will miss out on it. And, but it's, it's certainly a, a pretty potent emotion. I think that, you know, those, the qualities you enumerated, Don, jealousy, uh, um, regret, those things are certainly feed into it. I, and, uh, just for the record, there is a related condition, which is called FOBO, the fear of a better option. <laughs> and I can, I can relate uh, to that one in my early 20s yeah. when I was dating. And it was constant, especially if you're on a college campus, you think, wow, that's a really attractive woman. What if I settle down? Wait a minute. Here comes another one. She's attractive, too. What am I going to do? Should I, should I cut myself off when there's so much possibility out here? So, um, are you still looking? That's, yeah. am I still looking? Well, well, let me just, let me just say this. I've, I've been married for 47 years and a friend of mine said to me, the fact that old men still have fantasies about young women is proof that God has a sense of humor. <laughs> And you're bringing FOBO up answers. Some of my FOMOs aren't FOMOs, but FOBOs. Like I, I joke about having one more dessert. I'm terrible at the candy store because here's, oh, here's the one I want. Oh, but that could be good too. So that's a FOBO. So I end up bringing six home mm. instead of mm. one. Or an, an all, extra ice cream scoop or, you know, whatever. Kid, it also happens with books. That I've got to get that book. And then, of course, you don't necessarily read them. You buy six and maybe you read one. And now I'm kind of in the process of yeah. what can I get rid of <laughs> because I know I'm not going to read all of these. Um, and so I, I tend to put them in the little free library kiosks and right. wish them a better yes. life. Yes. Yeah. I, I wanted to follow up on something, Charles, you said, and that was about how what we want or what we fear of missing out on changes of, with age. Uh, I think think another way that this topic comes up is in popular terms is that what they call the bucket list uh mm. here here are all the things uh. that you want to make sure you kick tick off of your uh list before you kick the bucket and um i think that's really the same thing in a in a slightly different way it's all the things that you're afraid that you missed out on that you want to take care of while you can Hmm. Yeah, it sounds. I have a bucket list, but it's not fear filled with fears. Oh, that's good. So what's on it? <laughs> Things yeah. like riding camel or horse across the Mongolian uh -huh. desert. Um, <laughs> I've been to the Great Wall, but I'm thinking a, a camping trip, you know, traversing China on the Great Wall could be fun. Um, I haven't been to South Africa 
I haven't done a hot air balloon ride. I mean, it's, I want to go to the Amalfi Coast and Cinque Terre. Mm. <laughs> What'd you say, Charles? The Aurora Borealis. Oh, I would love okay. to see the Northern oh. Lights in spectacle. Like, yeah. Maybe go to Iceland. Yeah. I was going to say, mine is Thailand. Um, I, I went to the 1964 World's mm. Fair in New York, and the lasting impression I got from that was the Thailand exhibit. It was so filled with gold and glitter and is so exotic that I said, I've got to go to that place and see what that's all about. Well, I had avocado ice cream at the 1964 yeah. World's Fair. So, how did I miss that? <laughs> I was very, I was very impressed. It was bright green. Yeah. You were in Thailand. <laughs> so, um, so it's wild. You, I, I feel like um, I, I belong to a different species. I, mm. I do not have a bucket list. I, I don't understand it. I mean, I, I understand that other people feel that way, but it's not. Um, natural to me it's not native to me i expected you to say that susie <clears throat> because i see you as being very content with where you are and you are just floating through life you know floating down on the stream of life and taking in the scenery as it comes along yeah you're in, you're enlightened that's the well oh, no 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 <laughs> Let's set the record straight. I don't. I don't want to present yeah. myself as having arrived at, you know, some kind of blissful state. I, I, I really do struggle with some of the issues that Don mentioned. Um, most recently, I have discovered a um, a practice. All the practices that I discover, I make up myself. You know, it's not, it's it's not it's not something that I was taught by a holy person. Um, but I've discovered the practice of when I find myself, you know, having an interior monologue that involves being jealous of someone, which I definitely do. Uh, I just tell myself that's okay. I can have that feeling. And then it goes away. You know, if if I don't um, beat up on myself and tell myself I'm not allowed to have that feeling, then it then as you know, as we do in meditation, it, it just comes and goes. Uh, but I but I I have all the same feelings everybody else has, and I'm not um, I just don't express my person uh, in the form of wanting, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, go ahead. I think, yeah. I think the reason that this has come up so prominently is the fact that many people are infected by social media. Yes. And uh, I, I listened to a TED talk recently by uh, Priya Parker, yeah. who has written some books about gathering people together in communities and other subjects. And she says that when we are unmoored, which is to say when we are cut off from our traditions and our, our culture, we tend to look in the social mirror to get an idea of what's normal for us. Mm. And the 
FOMO and FOBO are all really because we look at other people and say, oh, what I see on social media is normal and I don't have that. What's wrong with me? Um, and that's an anxiety uh, that is making some people quite um, distressed. Mm. <clears throat> and I, I guess to, finally, Susie uh, just isn't motivated that way to look at, at what other people have and feel bad about it, which is wonderful. It's freeing. Yeah. I, do, does anyone else, um, are, are you all aware of the Enneagram? Is that anything you've run across? Yes. Yeah. It, so go ahead. Yeah. I'm, yeah. No, go ahead. I just, no, I just, uh, maybe Don and um, Charles have not run across that. Uh, it's, it's an ancient, um, system of uh of thought and i don't know all that much about it i have a sort of a passing acquaintance with it but one of the um ways that it organizes thinking is around nine types of people and i'll be damned if it isn't very predictive uh because a lot of people fall into category number seven, which is a person who wants experience, craves, craves newness, craves um, lots of light and color and sound and all of that stuff. And sometimes I, I sort of have FOMO about not being a seven you know, because, <laughs> because some, of, some of these folks who are dear friends of mine you know, seem to be so kind of um, lit up by by all of the things that interest them and excite them. So I'm a two, and a two is a person whose um, energy is primarily magnetized by other people, but not in the same way, not in the way of wanting what the other person has, but... Um, you know, for me, it's all about me and somebody else. And it could be anybody else. It doesn't have to be just, uh, you know, my family members or the people I'm closest to. It's like the minute I encounter another person, I'm involved with who they are and who I am and how we uh, engage with one another. And that's the, that's the overarching way that I um, manage the world and oftentimes not very well. I mean, that, that's the challenge of, the, of these personality um, proclivities, you know, is that everybody has to deal with certain challenges. I don't know if that made any sense, but I've been thinking about that in terms of it did, yeah, in terms of FOMO, I've been I'm just I'm not a seven. I don't that it doesn't do it for me, you know. So Yeah, I was just wondering if if in these this these diets you're describing with other people, whether whether jealousy and envy and regret and those things are part of the equation or no? A, a, absolutely. Um when when I um, have somebody else's personality kind of 
embedded in in my personality and I'm thinking about them and I'm feeling them all the time, uh, it can bounce back and forth between feeling like I'm supposed to be taking care of them. I, they, they need me. I'm essential, you know, on the one hand. And on the other hand, you know, feeling like I can't wait till I can get away from this person. And it could be the same person. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It could be the same person. So I'm I'm very involved in the the material, the information that I receive from other individuals, or or how I read that information. It doesn't necessarily mean the other person is like I think they are. It's just what it feels like to me. That's that's how you're experiencing them. Exactly. But you guys are are more outer. You know, you, you see a bigger canvas. You see a very, very large uh, array of possibilities. And, you know, I'm sure that has its own challenges. Well, I think to be fair, um, the, the, the axis probably has you on one end and Kit on the other end. And Charles and I are somewhere in between, um, uh -huh. if I could guess. Susie was saying something about the larger canvas, and I remembered what I, something I thought that occurred to me about 10 minutes ago was um, that uh, in the 1960s, they used to depict the future, and we would all be in our own little spaceships, and we'd be going here and there, and it would be a life of leisure. And I think of, I don't have any great regrets about going to being, missing out on never having a self-driving car, <laughs> but I, I think I'll never, I don't think I will be around when self-driving cars are just the norm kind of thing they're and just around the corner charles eight. well if elon musk isn't too busy with twitter <laughs> Su 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 susie do you know who richard Rohr is yes i read him every morning okay so you know he's written yeah. a book on enneagrams yes and i yes, believe he also is a two and i uh -huh. i believe that the twos are the good counselors I mean, you are the people who are present. I mean, maybe it's sometimes terrifyingly present. You know, you're just right there. And that's that other person, the two of you is all that exists. You're so engaged. Well, uh, yeah, and yeah. That, and that's, I think that's exciting. I, mean, I love the realization that we all play a role in making everybody else's world go around. Mm, lovely, yeah. Yeah. It'd be very lopsided if we were all like you or all like me. <laughs> yeah. uh, as long as we're being theological, I was going to say that, Susie, it sounds to me like you've really captured the I thou that Martin Buber talks about, in which you have a genuine dialogue with a person and, and that that's, that's when real community happens. And that's, he says, and that's when God happens when you sense God, uh, or well, at that, least that's what it sounded like he said in the German, but we're not sure if that's what he meant. That, so that's the, all of the nine types in the Enneagram and any other system you want to think about have, have a, an upside and a downside, you know? Mm -hmm. So the, so what you just described is, is what one wants to, um, 
you know, manifest the highest qualities of being a two. Right. But it it by no means is always like that. You know? <laughs> so at times you're like a seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a bad two. You know, I'm a, well, I'm, but a, the- I'm a I'm a two that's that's minding everybody else's <laughs> business. Well, and if you study Enneagrams, and I, I don't haven't spent enough time with it to totally grasp it, but it seems to me there is the number two, it depends on whether you're, if you look at it from the top, there's the number to your right, so it'd be your, your three, um, Susie, um, and the number opposite two, yep. which I think is six, but I'm not, no, I don't know what it would be, but it doesn't matter. Um, and those represent your challenges and your opportunities along with being a two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, very so, complicated. I'm, I'm giving the kindergarten version here. It's extremely complicated. <laughs> yeah. The Reader's Digest of the kindergarten version. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you. That, that's my level. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> the, the, there was something else that I don't remember who said this, but we, it was the discussion that we are acquiring experience. And this is something I read years ago. Um, I think it was a comment on our generation uh, that we were more interested in acquiring experiences than we were in acquiring wealth. And I think this is still operative. I think there's a lot of feeling like you have to do it all. You have to try everything. Uh, and that that's part of what FOMO is, is about. It's the, have you had that experience yet? Have you tried LSD? Have you tried uh, the top of the mountain? Have you tried the Have downhill run? Have you jumped out run? of an airplane yet? Yeah. yeah. Well, and when you put FOMO in that light, Don, I don't have FOMO. Mm. I mean, I, I mm. love learning things. Mine's driven by my curious brain. That it's, it's I want experiences, but I'm not devouring them without tasting. I mean, oh, I've, there are things, times I devour things so quickly I can't taste it, be it a, be it a class or whatever. But um, I, I just love digging deep and exploring. And, oh, there's, a, let's go off to the right here. Oh, look at that. Let's go down. Now we got to go up. And I just follow my interests, which will take me all over the world when I'm all done, mm-hmm. which is why I have to live a long time. 150 years, if I recall. Mm-hmm. You recall correctly. That that's as of now. I may have to up the number, but we'll see. But I think you're right. It's that curiosity that also drives you and keeps you going, and that's a very valuable commodity for all of us as we get to be this age. That we keep being curious and we keep looking for new things to uh, <laughs> to be stimulating. I don't know if you guys have picked up from me that I think we all have a why, and we quotes, should be living our why. And it's hard to explain to people what it is. And I saw the best definition of it recently. Why Your why is not a role or a goal. It is an expression of your soul. It's what drives you and, and, and it's something to be shared. And I bring that up here because I think that if we're not careful, we treat our why as a role or a goal. And so once we've done that, we're done. And people retire and sit and wait for life to come to them. And 
and your why keeps you going out to share your purpose with others. Um, and maybe that's the uh, really the flip side of FOMO is can you keep sharing? Fear of not sharing. So it's a F-O-N-S, fear of not sharing. I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's it, you're really talking about a purpose and, and, and yes. we all need to have a purpose to keep us going. I think that's what keeps us alive. I watched my grandfather start dying the day he retired. He literally yeah. grabbed a, you know, a yard chair and plopped himself in the backyard. He and grandma would still go fishing and hunting and he'd throw the baseball back and forth with my brothers and me. But he, didn't do the things that had kept him vibrant. And he still lived another, I don't know, 15, 20 years, but I don't know that they were good years. In my definition, he died early at 82. Um, and when my dad retired, he said, man, I don't know how I had time to work. There are so many coffees to go to and golf games to have. Now, he wasn't living his why, but he was staying busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, harking back to that uh, previous uh, dis yeah, about uh, uh, a couple times ago about about living a long as long as we can. I heard something on the radio recently that ninety everybody should be able to live ninety, all things you know being equal. Uh, the I think the oldest person in the world had just died a few days ago, and they were going on about about aging. But this person said that. Uh, 90 is is really after 90 uh, you, you may start to really wish you were dead or some not not literally but uh, um no an, an interesting question is whether is whether this phenomenon even existed in an earlier time you know and 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 part of it has to do with what Don said about social media and so on. If you if you don't know what everybody else is doing, uh, you know you you're not subject to uh, feeling envious of what they're doing. But I think there are other aspects to it, you know, because after all, social media is what twenty five years, uh, something like that. Um, but I think that the world was. Just in, in, you know, say in the previous century, I, I, I mean, the 19th century, that to me, that's the previous century. <laughs> uh, um, you know, people, uh, most people, of course, were very busy trying to feed their children and, and didn't have time to be thinking about what they weren't getting to do. I think that's a very... Uh, contemporary plague you know Susie I think the FOMO has been around since the beginning of time I really? think that's why they ate Adam and Eve ate the apple I forget which one of them ate it but you know but isn't it the explorers who are going but what if there's something over the horizon and and what happens mm -hmm. if I put these two colors together on this canvas I think Gee, I, I don't think that's the same thing, Kit. I really don't. I think don't. the explorers I, are. I, I, but I don't think uh, 
being creative is is fear of missing out. I don't think that's the same thing. Certainly, certainly, creativity and and invention and um, being uh, you know being exploring new new ideas. Certainly, that's been around since the beginning of time in in some way. But this is more. Um, you're talking specifically the social media sort of phone. Well, no, I don't think so. I think what Susie's getting at is that there are always going to be people <clears throat> who want more than they have and are envious of what someone else has and are anxious because they haven't got what they think they deserve or something like that. And that, that goes way back. Am I reading that right? Well, yes and no. I mean, I agree with what you just said, but I also think that it may be that that's always existed, but I but I would wager that the dimensions of it are far worse than they used to be. Maybe that's just the Luddite in me, you know, but I <laughs> I, I think that uh, I think that people's um, rapaciousness their their need they're wanting more 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 i think that's become uh much more of a common way of experience in life than it was in an earlier time and i think it i don't think it's all attributable to social media and, and let me bring this one back to the remark that i made earlier from priya parker what seems to build on that anxiety is that we are unmoored. We aren't held in place by our culture, our traditions, our religious upbringing, any of those things that give us structure. And therefore, there's more anxiety about how do we fit in and, and anxiety about opportunity costs and all of those things because we don't have the roots um, that would let us say enough is enough or my own personal practice, uh, is gratitude, you know, feeling really thankful for everything I've got and remembering that I've, everything I've got, as opposed to something else that I need. And now that we've gone fully around the circle, Priya's <laughs> comment, rings very differently and it's more profound than it was the first time you shared that. And so in some ways she's saying we've lost community, the multi-generational, the, the, and doesn't matter what the community is, but we're all individuals now, not part of a greater group. Yeah. I think, I think the, the operative word is anime. A-N-O-M-I-E, which I always visualize as being the astronaut who's let loose of his tether and is floating in space, except that there's millions of us floating without knowing where we're going. And, and that's, that vision terrifies me. As it should. I wouldn't, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to be distethered. Is that, is distethered a good uh, un, word? Untethered, um, I think. But <laughs> well, I, <laughs> well, that's the real word, Don. But um, I like being anchored to something. 
Well, yeah, I think we need anchors, and I think that's that's mm-hmm. her point. And then when we don't have them, we we look in the mirror, and social media provides that mirror. She says, and and then we we adopt the standards of what is everybody else seemingly doing. So, uh, not to make a, a case for uh, that old time religion or anything, but I do think. I do think there are values in tradition and, and we're the worst for Mm -hmm. allowing ourselves the freedom to break from all of those. And I agree. And, uh, and again, I come back to, to gratitude, which I think is grounded in a, in a religious tradition, several religious traditions. It's it's just saying, you know, I'm lucky. I'm fortunate. I've got a lot of good things going my way and it would be really good to concentrate on those and not worry about what I ain't got. Also, if you're, if you're grounded in some kind of uh, basic understanding of what your values are and, and how your life has unfolded and you feel grateful for that from that place, from that secure and strong place, there are all kinds of opportunities to diverge from that creatively so the, so you can discover new ways of doing things. It's not as if anyone here is saying you want everything to stay the same forever. Uh, but if there's enough, if you're not in any way grounded, uh, then you're subject to nihilism. You know, you're subject to nothing means anything. And I, I, I agree that that's uh, a danger. I, I was just thinking that, yeah, gratitude, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like almost the opposite, a balance of FOMO. And I, I think that's a, a good thing to be mindful of, of what you've got and to be thankful for it. Okay. Well, at the risk of missing out on other simulating thoughts. I want to draw us to a conclusion today. I want to thank the panel. And uh, I think we've, as usual, uh, made big looping circles around the topic and covered a lot of ground and all very interesting. Thank you very much for being part of it. And uh, we'll see you next time. Much appreciated. The opportunity is really appreciated. It's been fabulous. Thank you. Wonderful. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, The Endgame, at theendgame.substack.com. I'm Don Auction, wishing you all the best in aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I hope you'll join us for future programs here at The Endgame.